Meditation is the act of becoming immaculate. Immaculate means there is no trace of identification with anything objective, whether material or mental. There is no trace of the stain of existence. The immaculate self is unborn. And because the immaculate self is unborn, it is untraumatized. And it never goes through that spiral of development or of downfall into the dark. It is only the illusory ego that goes through such a journey. But that illusory ego is illusory and so is the journey. It is the awakening from that illusion of being trapped in a labyrinth, whether of a hell realm or of some ascending growth evolutionary pattern. The immaculate self is always already free. And so meditation is the shortcut back to the source. But the source that is real is not a body and is not a mind in the sense that the human consciousness understands mind because the self has no need or interest in human language. Human language is a very primitive form of communication that limits the intelligence to a two-valued logic incapable of comprehending reality. and forcibly distorting reality into a duality, a multiplicity, a chaos. And degrading that reality through the belief in such rules and structures as entropy, as lack, as death, as loss, as limitation.
as evil or even as good. It is all of these two valued processes of differentiation that force one into a delusional ghetto, either of superiority or inferiority, but always limited to identification with the bodily instrument and vehicle, and identified with an unstoppable flow of signifiers that signify nothing real. We have been indoctrinated into thinking that knowing a lot of words makes you more intelligent, whereas in fact, language lessens your intelligence. You need to use language, however, in order to realize its futility. So we must go through that process of engaging with that level of unconsciousness through the use of signifiers, but only to come to the recognition of the falseness and the impossibility of ever recovering truth through words. And it is when our intuition opens and our capacity to know from the self, not from experience, not from empirical evidence, not from trial and error, not from all of the ways that we have developed inductively and, in, and deductively to attempt to gain knowledge because all of that is knowledge of the illusion only. And once we see that the world about which language pertains is a flux that has no stability, then the signifiers also can have no stability. And our illusion of meaning dissolves in an avalanche of radical change in which we cannot hold on to any belief that we know what is going on or who we are. And as the acceleration of that metamorphosis of the flux of the phenomenal hologram exponentiates. If we try to grasp it with language, we will fall into a decompensation in which our own words will mean less and less. And the only way to hold on to the meaning moreness that can comprehend the infinity of the process that is our own reflection is through positioning our consciousness 
as the silent awareness that contains all and is untouched and unaffected by any of the apparent changes that occur within the awareness that arise and disappear, but that we remain firmly resolved as that absolute real to which all of this appears and is known as it really is, but not having a sense of being trapped as a creature within a world that is crumbling and that is being ruined by the activities of other creatures in antagonistic relationships. Because once we become based in real one through identification with the physical organism and language, we become trapped in a world of infinite antagonism. Everyone is an enemy to everyone else in the world of the ego. And even if there are temporary alliances, they can shift and turn into conflicts at a moment's non-notice through a very minor shift in one's perception of a change in the egoic interest. And because of the fragmentation of ego consciousness and the fact that each fragment has its own set of interests and its own set of frames of reference, there is inherent antagonism built into the ego itself, which is inherently antagonistic toward itself as well as toward all of those that it considers to be external others, which are only simply more projections of itself. And because the only kind of relationships possible to the ego can either be overt antagonism or covert antagonism in the form of affection, there is no way out of a world of paranoia in which there is an instability of every relationship, including within oneself, with every other, that is always liable to break out into open warfare. And as the shift of external circumstances becomes more extreme, radical, and unreliable, then the interests of alliances with others shifts to competitive rivalry for scarce resources. And so long as we are considering ourselves to be creatures in a competition for such resources, we are unable to create community. And so the capacity to commune harmoniously, lovingly, 
with wisdom, with the power of unity, can only come from the realization of the self that is not at risk of lack, of loss, of death, of being overpowered by some coalition of alterity and that never loses its centeredness in that single intelligence that comprehends and manifests as the whole and therefore is invulnerable and untouchable by fear or by desire. This is the immaculate conception that leads to the birth of the avatar that it is your destiny to realize that the real self, the absolute self, can only intervene to bring peace into this antagonistic chaos of a phenomenal plane in ruins by intervening through you, through us, through a community at peace. Undisturbed and undistorted by delusions, by memories of past traumas, and by a sense of neediness and incompleteness that causes relationships to become manipulative and corrupt. And the only way to heal and to sustain the capacity for divine love is through that realization that we are immaculate, untouched by time, by trauma, by death, or by the illusions created by a stream of thoughts based in delusional principles of unreality. Thus, the capacity to abide in the silent self is not a luxury, but is the only means of survival through this time of tribulation that we face. And it is in this moment that the Darwinian principle of survival of the fittest becomes actualized. Because the only fitness comes from our surrender to the absolute intelligence of the one self that never evolves or changes and always abides as the perfect designer of infinite intelligence who through manifesting through the physical forms of a community in harmony can redream that world 
into one in which there is no antagonism whatsoever. Such a world we call a Satyuga. It can only be created by authentic Satyogis. May we become such through our own immaculate conception of who we really are.